against the mass ranks of Chesterfield, but he's found the pass for Beck, and Mikel Beck has given Middlesbrough the lead in the 12th Welcome back to the What the Folk podcast. Today's guest is perhaps best known for his spells at Cologne and also Middlesbrough, of course, but scored goals for the likes of Derby County and also Denmark. Welcome to the show, Mikhail Beck. How are you doing, Mikhail? Are you okay? Thank you. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. Thank you. Thank you very Fantastic. much. No problem. So for those unaware, what are you up to these days when the world isn't in lockdown? Well, uh, since 2004, so for the past uh, 16, 16 years, I've been working as a as a football agent. Yeah, um, I'm based in in Monaco and uh, have uh, have managed to to build up a, a very successful uh, business uh, with some 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 of the the best players in 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 the game. So um, so I'm uh, I'm pretty happy with the with where where we are now with the with the company and uh, and uh, of course uh, like everyone else I can't wait till uh, till the lockdown is over and uh, everything uh, normalizes itself again so so we can uh, can start working again. Yeah, you're living in Monaco at the moment. You've got I was looking through the list of sort of players that you were looking after. And how do you get into going into the world of agents when you first started? How how did that begin? <clears throat> well, it, it was a choice because uh, when when you finish playing football, of course, basically you uh, you have to make a decision what you want to do with your life afterwards sure. because uh, you know your your career is, is is over, but you're still very young. So uh, you cannot just say uh, I will not do anything anymore. Uh, you have to find something that that gives you a joy and uh, something that that makes you wake up in the morning and actually also uh, do something, which is important. To I had to make a choice, and uh, I had some some different options. Uh, I could have worked for 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 television. I, I could have worked for for my sponsor Nike at that time, and. Uh, I could also have become an, uh, a coach or a manager, uh, but um, for some reason, I I thought uh, you know the the, the football agents' uh, work uh, sounded sounded good to me, and it uh, I could set up my own company. I could be independent. I could uh, decide when I whenever I wanted to have holidays. Uh, um, I I could travel a lot, which I like. I could uh, I could keep my five languages, which I had learned uh, during my career, so I could keep speaking all of them and. Uh, and uh, just uh, yeah, just uh, having to do with people, which I like. So um, so uh, I, I I decided to to try that try it on, and uh, and well, here we are, uh, sixteen years later, and uh, I, I still like it. Going back to obviously your childhood, I think your dad Carl was also a professional footballer for AGF. Is that correct? Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah he was. Yeah, uncles as well. So uh, they both they all three played in the same team in, in AGF. So you were just a football family. Yeah, you you could you could say so. Yeah. I suppose when football's like in your family like that, and I've known a few families who, who have similar sort of uh, setup, shall we say. But what are your earliest memories of you yourself sort of falling in love with football and, and realizing you yourself had also got that gene and that talent? Well, I think when you are when you're from a football family, it's basically uh, you know everything you do from from a very early age, and if you don't do it, they the others will will make you do it. You know, so <laughs> so uh, it was always. Uh, centered around football in my family you know so everyone liked football uh, my grandfather loved it as well and uh, and my cousins afterwards has also become footballers so it was just i don't know it was just the, the way it was i mean nobody nobody told us we had to become footballers but of course they they tried to influence us uh, because whenever 
the whole family met up. Uh, we all played football, of course. So, um, so um, <clears throat> either you bought into it or you didn't. But um, most of us we liked it as well, and uh, and um, uh, luckily we we had we had uh, we had a talent from probably from from genes and uh, and um, yeah uh, we just we just got on with it and uh, for for some of us it it ended up becoming a a, a real job uh, as it as it became for me and yeah i was i was lucky to to be able to have <clears throat> to have a good career and uh, and i enjoyed my my career as a footballer I think you were you were born in in Aarhus. Quite a, a big football city, though, isn't it? I mean, Denmark as a whole, as a country, loves its football. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a football a football country. Yeah, I mean, we have we have basically three big sports. We have, uh, of course, uh, football as the biggest one. Then I think handball is number two, and I think gymnastics is is number three. So basically, it it is the most most popular sport. And um, you know, for a small country, we we managed to 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 develop some good players uh, because we we work well. You know, every, everything is very well organized in the country. Uh, you know, so um, I think we do very well uh, on 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 that uh, on that sense. Uh. You started your own career with with Colding, which was like the low leagues of Denmark. So, what was your journey into football like, and who was it that first recognised your talents, like outside of your your family? Well, I mean, I mean, <clears throat> I didn't actually start in Colding. I started in Bromdorp Dam, but that was an even smaller uh, ah. place. But but we had a good team, you know. When I grew up, uh, my friends were playing with me in the same team, and and my my father told me not to to go to the bigger club, which was Colling. He told me not to go there until. We couldn't beat them anymore. So at some point, um, Colling was going, let's say, in a different direction than my own little club, and uh, and uh, we decided, or I decided to to go and, and play for the bigger club, uh, Colling. At that time, it was not really a club that had a big, a very good first team, but it was uh, it was the biggest um, it was the biggest club for youth. There. So the biggest youth setup uh, in in the whole of Jutland, which yeah. Which was where I was. Uh, that was the part of Denmark where I was living. So it was a big, big club for a young player, and uh, and I and I decided to join them, and and I, I, I quickly became a, an important player for for their youth team, and uh, and I didn't stay long. I, I think I stayed only one and a half years, and then I was uh, scouted by a by a club in Odense, which at that moment, at that time, uh, played in the in the Premier League in Denmark. Uh, you know, it it just went on from there. Were you always a striker growing up? Because obviously you were a striker throughout your career, but from your young days, were you always planning on being like a number nine? No, I, I was actually a number ten uh, all my youth years until until actually I came to Odense. I was playing as a number ten, and then in Odense, uh, I was I was I was put up with the with the senior team uh, pretty early, and uh, and they the, the coach there just told me I I had the right profile to to be a number nine, so he just. He just put me up as a number nine, and and then I just played there uh, all the years as as a as a senior. When you moved to to Odense, obviously you jumped in. I think it was quite a few leagues at that point, and I think at that point you would have still been a teenager, pretty much. Is it difficult to adjust from such a young age group? Yeah, I, I felt ready for it, and and I think the, all my all the moves I did uh, as a player, uh, you know, from club, from club to club, they they all felt uh, natural for me. Uh, it was it just came. They all came at the right moments, and uh, and and I didn't really hesitate. I felt I was ready for the next step, and the next step, and the next step, and and <clears throat> luckily so. So uh, so uh, you know, uh, my career just went from from you know step by step, you know, and it kept going going upwards and. Uh, and uh, the move to Odense was the right one at the right time. I, 
I, I started playing in the Premier League. Uh, I was I was very young and uh, and I did well already there and uh, and and became a player uh, in the national team at that time. I think I, I played for the under twenty and the under twenty one national team of Denmark. Uh, things were just. Uh, just going well. When you were in the under twenty ones team at Denmark, what kind of players were coming through? I'm I'm not sure how many you guys would know today, but um, our goalkeeper, for instance, was Thomas Sorensen. He he ended up playing for for Sunderland and for for Aston Villa uh, and had a really good career and also became a national team coach for the A national team later on. So uh, he was one of the players. Thomas Sorensen was uh yeah he was because he he also moved to to Sunderland when he was like twenty. So I think but just yes. before actually no you were you obviously moved to the northeast beforehand because obviously it worked out very very well for him. Uh, movement yeah. summer. I think he yeah. broke plenty records in his first season but like you say absolutely right there was a, a really good like under 21 team there and obviously the team that went into Euro 96 and Euro 2000 had many many memorable names there as well but <laughs> in terms of sort of your own career that that progression in Denmark and also then for your under 21 team got you moved to Cologne now mm. I think Cologne were in the the Bundesliga 2 at the time if my calculations are correct, you would have been about 20 or 21. Now, you mentioned in your sort of, when we were chatting in your introduction about how you enjoy traveling, speak five different languages. That was probably the, the first big move for yourself. Did it feel daunting or did it, again, did it feel right? Well, it, it, it came it came basically overnight because uh, my club Odense went bankrupt uh, overnight and uh, and all us players were, were suddenly not paid our, our wages anymore. And, uh, and so, so, of course, the most popular players, the best players in the team, uh, suddenly got got possibilities to move on because uh, we yeah. could we could we could basically move on. I think uh, as a as a free transfer at that time, and and uh, so um, because I was playing in the in the under twenty one national team, Cologne had had uh, had bought one of our other players from from uh, Odense the same summer. One guy one guy called uh, Jakob Swingard, and uh, and uh, he was he was asked by the coach when he came down to Cologne if he knew a, a young striker in Denmark, and he just thought about me. Uh, so uh, so from there on, it went pretty quickly. The the club just. Uh, Took interest in, in me very quickly and and uh, and asked me I was if I was interested in coming to, to Cologne as well and uh, I wasn't really hesitating because it was in a turmoil in uh, in Odense and uh, we didn't we didn't really know what what would happen with that club so I, I felt it was a great move for me and a great great opportunity to go abroad and which had already been always been my been my dream so uh, basically I. I didn't think think twice. I, I just I just jumped on the the, the opportunity and uh, and it's 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 it worked out very well for me. You mentioned before about speaking five different languages. Did you know German before you moved? Yeah, I I, I did uh, I did speak German already before I, I went there because Colling, where I was living at that time, were, is is in the south of Denmark and and we we were learning German in school and also watching German television. It was different uh, for people who lived in, in Copenhagen, for instance. They they were they had the G- uh, Swedish television, but we we had German television in the south of Denmark. So so I, I I did speak German not fluently, but 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 pretty well. So uh, so the the language barrier wasn't wasn't any problem for me. Does that help when you you know language of the country that you move into? Well, I mean, of course, when 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 the game starts and you and you play with your with your teammates, then I don't really think you need a language. I think then then yeah. then the the language of football uh, actually comes in in place. But uh, but of course, when when the when the game is over and uh, and you have to also, you know, somehow gel with with your teammates outside the football, then then you are. 
you it's necessary to be able to speak a language otherwise you cannot really express yourself as you want to and uh, it's hard to to be ca- become friends with people if if you cannot speak with them so uh, i think on the pitch it's it's good to be able to speak together but it's not necessarily because uh, good players somehow uh, understand each other even if they cannot speak together because they 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 think they think the same way up up you know football wise but outside football it's important uh, to understand the language and also when your coach is talking it's important to understand him when he when he explains to you what he wants from you and 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 also tactically uh, things like this you know it's 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 an advantage if you understand the language for sure so i think at cologne obviously that's where your career really started to sort of blossom and as i say it was a really good move for yourself in the end at the time that you spent there i think there was a few times when you went on big scoring streaks and eventually you got your first call up to the Danish national team and I think about May 1995. And you had a really good run. I was at three goals in the first six national team games that you had, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, when you went into the Danish national team, I mean, obviously it's a proud moment when you play for your country, but was that at that moment the proudest moment of your career? When you play for your country, it's basically, you know, you you represent your country if you play for a club you represent the club but which is also big but <clears throat> it's it's it doesn't feel as 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 important you know like you know playing for a country is, is it basically means you're playing for your family for your friends for, for for everyone you know and you represent them also so if you win you win for them if you lose you lose uh, for them yeah so it it is it is somehow bigger um, and i remember the first time i was standing listening to the national hymn it, it it felt it felt special. I must say, yeah. it was the biggest uh, moment in my career for sure. When when I, every every time I played for Denmark was was the, was was a big moment. I think you got your first goal against Finland. Okay. Yeah. Was yeah. Fin- was that your debut against Finland? Yeah, it was. It was my debut. Yeah. And I think it was the goal that won the game as well. So one nil. Obviously, you mentioned before about the the national anthem, and uh, you know it's quite emotional as a fan when you you see your team and you're, you're in a tournament or friendly, whatever it may be. As a player, it's oh, it must be on a different level. But just talk me through what it's like scoring not only your first goal, but on your debut and the winning goal on your debut as well. I mean, talk me through your memories of that. Yeah, I, I cannot really remember so much of it. I think I think at the at the time it was it was basically just 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 natural. It just felt natural. I, I the move up from the under twenty one to the A national team felt natural because I was I was really I was really uh, I was doing well for the under twenty one national team. I had just scored three goals, I think, against Cyprus in a in a in a qualification game just before. And of course, I felt. I was ready for the next step, and uh, luckily, I think it was Michael Laudrup who, who pulled out of that that uh, friendly game against uh, Finland, and uh, and I was I was taken up uh, to the national team, and um, um, you know I, I started on the bench and I came in at halftime, and I just felt I, w- I was ready for the big stage, and uh, and we had a good team, so uh, it was easy to 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 gel with the other players pitch and also off the pitch so uh, yeah basically i just i just came came on in the second half just to just play that as i as always did and uh, my game somehow just just suited the other players and uh, and i scored a, a good goal and uh, of course it was nice that it was the winning goal as well so of course yeah uh, from one day to another uh, it took um, it really took off and uh, and of course i be, i became very popular in denmark uh, overnight and I think that popularity got you what was a big move to Middlesbrough at the time for who were going through a really exciting period. I think if memory serves me right, though, you'd signed in the April almost like a pre-contract, but there was a little bit of problem with Cologne who felt there would due a fee or something like that. And it took, I think, longer than expected. What had actually happened during that time? 
Well, I mean, I mean, it was it was that summer where where Bosman he won his case uh, in in the European courts, I think in 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 Hague or I don't need to know where it was or in Maastricht uh, or, in, or in Brussels. I cannot remember, but at least anyway, it was that summer where he won his case. So, uh, but the Bosman ruling basically was that new that everyone didn't really understand the uh, you know uh, the importance of it, and and also they didn't really understand whether it would apply or not uh, to, to everyone straight away we, we me and my my agent at that time and my lawyer uh, we believed that uh, that uh, you know with him winning his case we believed i should benefit from a from a busman uh, so we believed i was i was 100 free from from any transfer fee but in in the german transfer rules or contract rules uh, there was some kind of clause where that said that if if at some point the um, the, the the football system should change dramatically because of one thing. All clubs would have the chance to uh, to uh, you know extend each contract with one more year. Uh, so my club felt they could extend my contract with one one more year because they felt the Bosman ruling was such a a big change to the system. And we believed that uh, they were not allowed to to extend it by one year. So we believed that was a free transfer. Um, Middlesbrough, uh, you know, was 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 great. Uh, they they understood the whole the whole thing, and they just gave me, you know, gave us the time to 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 sort out the problems with the with the with with my club Cologne. And in the end, it, it meant that I, I I think I could not take part in in the first three or four games with Middlesbrough. But then somehow things sorted itself out, and and Cologne let me go and. Uh, and uh, my contract uh, started with, with Middlesbrough and, and I started playing. Because it was such a, I think, such a complex move, I think, at the time from memory. I was young, but I do remember it. Um, mm. But did you did you ever worry that the move wouldn't go through? Or did, like, Steve Gibson, I think Brian Robson, it would have been at the time, make you feel quite at ease that, you know, they, they wanted you and they were just prepared to wait that out? No, but they, they actually said they were prepared to wait a year. If if, if I couldn't come straight away, uh, they would wait uh, and take me one year later. So they, they were fine. You know, I mean, we we were basically uh, sure that either I would start playing for Middlesbrough that summer or the next summer. Of course, I wanted to, to start playing straight away. So that's also why we, we were fighting, of course, uh, uh, for this to to, to sort itself out so so I could start uh, playing straight away but but Middlesbrough were were, were, were ready to wait for me uh, so they really wanted me before obviously that season started you'd played at Euro 96 as well and we've touched on sort of your international debut a little bit but I think a big tournament especially Euro 96 maybe I, I look at it differently because I'm English as a like a, a golden tournament but you start the first game for Denmark up front alongside Brown, Brian Laudrup really good Danish mm-hmm. team you played against obviously I think it was Fernando Couto. Um, yeah. When you play in a tournament for your international team, as opposed to like a qualifier or a friendly, does it up the ante a little bit? Do you feel? Does it feel a little bit more significant? Uh, well, I mean, <clears throat> actually, it, it doesn't feel more significant at the beginning, but but the whole the whole atmosphere somehow builds up and and it becomes more important because uh, uh, you know suddenly you have so many teams, uh, you know, um, together in, in one country playing against each other. And, uh, you know, uh, the cr- there's crowds from, from all over Europe there, uh, you know, in the same country watching all those games. And, and you just feel like it, it's a big occasion. It's a very big occasion. And of course, you're not there just to play one game like you are normally. You are there to play several games. So, um, so um, yeah, it's, um, 
it's 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 pretty special to playing uh, playing in the Euro uh, or in a World Cup. You know, that, that's for sure. I'm sort of looking through that team that started that game as well, and I mean quality and the amount of experience that was in there as well. The likes of the Laudrup brothers, Schmeichel, Thomas Helweg also in there as well. Yeah. Um, how how good is it as a younger player to have the likes of Brian Laudrup, Michael Laudrup and Schmeichel to be able to hand on their experience when it's your first international tournament? Well, I mean, I mean, it was important for me to play with with the two Laudrup brothers. They 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 were at that time they were like world world famous names in, in the yeah. football business, and uh, and of course they were they were players you you looked up to. Uh, it was a dream for me to to play in front of them too. Uh, so you know, I, I knew if I if I if I made the right runs, they they would definitely give me the ball uh, in the right in the right moment at the right moment. So so they were world class players, and uh, they they. They somehow brought my game up to another level, also because uh, somehow we just understood each other very well and we played well together. and uh, And it was a, it was a joy. It was a joy to play and playing alongside them too. So Louder would have been obviously, I think, up front with you at that game. Would yeah, you Brian say- was playing up front with me. Brian was playing up front, and then Michael was playing just behind us. Yeah. And he was at Rangers at the time, I think, Brian. Um, yeah, he was. Yeah. You've played with some really good players in your career, and especially ones we're going to go on to with Middlesbrough. But how highly does does Brian and Michael rank in the best players you've ever played alongside? For sure, all the all all up there, yeah, with the best, yeah. But if yeah. if not the best, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, I played with some incredible players, but Michael and and Brian were some of the very very best, yeah, for sure. Different level, absolutely. Yeah. Obviously, the tournament after that, you do get the move to Middlesbrough. It does work out, and I think. It really was Middlesbrough's golden era. They just finished mm-hmm. sort of 12th in that summer. They brought in uh, Fabrizio Ravinelli, Emerson. On top of that, you had players already there like Janino, um, Festa, Hignett. How exciting did it feel to be part of Middlesbrough at that time? Well, I mean, I mean, uh, it wasn't the, the biggest club. Uh, it was a club that, that was becoming an interesting club. Uh, they had just uh, been promoted the year before and then they had had one season in the in the Premier League. I, rem- I think they had bought uh, Juninho. I think they brought him in in January. They had, they had also bought Bambi, who was a very good name yeah. in English football at that time. They had Janoga Fjortoft, uh, who was also uh, well known, in, especially in Scandinavia. Uh, they they had very good players, and um, and uh, you know also they had the you know the manager was Brian Robson. It was actually the reason why I I, I moved there. Uh, it was because Brian was there because he he used to be my 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 idol when I was a younger player when he played for Manchester United. He was the he was the captain. He was the captain of the national team. He was basically uh, my favorite player. So uh, you know to be able to go to the club where he was the manager for me was. Uh, it was a no-brainer, but uh, it 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 was um, it was a very uh, hectical summer because uh, um, because I was doing well for Cologne. I was young. I had just come into the national team. Uh, I was about to play in a big tournament, uh, Euro '96. Um, there were so many clubs that wanted me, and uh, I remember speaking to clubs in Italy, Spain, Germany, uh, France, Belgium. England, all over, uh, and we had so many meetings. My agent had so many meetings with different clubs, and it was true. There was so many op- options. Even even we play, uh, we talked to both uh, Glasgow Rangers and Celtic also. Um, so it wasn't hard. It wasn't hard choosing in the end because Brian was at Middlesbrough, but it was hard uh, saying no to all these good clubs 
and I was not 100% sure which which choice was the right one. I had already, uh, no, I had always dreamed about, dreamed about playing in England because uh, growing up as, as a kid in Denmark, uh, at that time, English football was basically the only thing we, we were watching, that, that or German football. And, um, and Eng- English football was the biggest in Denmark. Everyone, everyone liked it. So to, to be able to play in England was a big thing for a Danish uh, kid, you know, Dan- young, young Danish player. So, you know, it was a dream uh, to go and play in England, but with all these other clubs also interested, it was not so easy to, to say no to them. But in the end, I chose for middle school. And, uh, and I think uh, at, that, at that time, it was, it was the right choice to take because it was an interesting uh, period for, for middle school. And, and it also became even more interesting when, when I came there. Yeah, it was it was a, a very interesting season, and I remember it very, very well. Brian Robson, obviously, as you mentioned before, is probably one of the best English captains of all time, and very much so that a lot of players look up to. But what was he like as a manager? Yeah, he, he was a uh, very knowledgeable of, of, of football. Of course, uh, he, he he was very good at bringing in players, so he had this kind of aura around him. You know, he could basically get whoever he wanted. Uh, Steve Gibson, you know, trusted him a lot and gave him a lot of freedom. Uh, also. Money-wise, you know, to bring in players who, who, you know, who who earned a lot of money. I think I can remember Ravinelli coming in earning forty-two a week, which was by that by far the the, the highest earner in, in the whole Premier League at at the time. Of course, we know what has happened salaries ever since. But but at that time, uh, you know, Manchester United's big big team with Beckham and Scholes and Bod and all these they, they, the best earner at Manchester United at the moment at that time was was earning twenty-five a week. And then Ravanelli came in and on on forty two. It was just it was never seen, never seen before. Um, and and Steve Gibson backed uh, Brian, uh, you know, and 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 gave him, you know, those kind of players like myself, like uh, Emerson, like uh, like Ravanelli, um, and you know, build up this very very attractive, uh, you know, team. And we played some attractive football, and we. We managed to get loads of uh, of supporters that uh, those those two three seasons where I played there. Yeah. So it was it was a good good moment. You mentioned about Steve Gibson. Now I think a lot of chairmen in football sometimes get um, they, they don't get much praise um, either way, even when they do do well. But I think Steve Gibson, especially when I'm from the northeast, I know how well he's liked. Well, I mean, of course, uh, we didn't see Steve so much because, of course, he had his. You know, he had. I think it was ICI. He was. Uh, he was yeah. own, owning, and of course, he had. You know, loads of things to to do. With, uh, you know, with his with his with his job. But but of course, we saw him uh, at games, and he he was just sent this kind of uh, you know positive energy. You know, uh, around him, he 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 was a very nice guy, very very sympathetic, and uh, and and again, uh, he loved his club, and um, you know, I think he was a. An incredible president and owner to have for Middlesbrough, and and well, even 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 looking at it today, he's still there. You know, yeah. he's still very passionate. I'm sure about about everything. I don't think today he he, he puts a, as much money into it as, as back then because that back then you know it was just starting, and and you know he he was also dreaming about you know creating this kind of incredible team in England and and we were on the good track to do it you know so he, he was very passionate and and someone that I think Middlesbrough should should be so happy about having supporters and Middlesbrough should really respect him so much and never forget him you know because he is an amazing person 
Middlesbrough as a season, it was the season itself was crazy. Like even I remember being like eleven or twelve. You got to two cup finals, but still also got relegated at the same time. There was the situation with the postponed game in the middle. But I want to kind of concentrate on on the positives at the moment. Two cup finals in one year is incredible for any club at any level. Um, you scored in both of the semi-finals. You scored the opening mm-hmm. goal against Stockport and against Chesterfield. What are your memories of the run and scoring the goals on that day? Oh, it was just a crazy season. There were so many games and uh, they just came basically every three days. And uh, <laughs> we hardly got we hardly got time to 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 get our minds onto the next next game because it was just it, they just came thick and thin. Yeah, I mean we were we had a great team. You know we. We we were just playing some amazing, very attacking-minded football. Uh, I was playing up front, of course, with Higgy and uh, and and Juninho and and Emerson and and I mean, we, we we just played the kind of football I love, you know, like very uh, you know a lot of you know a lot of passing, quick quick movements, and 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 of course we we scored goals, and of course Rav- Ravanelli was there as well, and and you know imagine playing with Ravanelli, Juninho. Hignett, uh, Emerson uh, at the same time. I mean, it just, again, it just made my football even better. And, uh, and um, well, we were all enjoying it. You know, um, of course, we we got relegated in the end, which was an incredible thing. We we didn't really get relegated because we yeah we, we, we had enough points, but they, they deducted us some points in the end and that was enough to, 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 to take us down. Um, so it was a it was a big blow. We should never have gone down. We we were too good to go down, uh, and uh, we should also have won one of the cup finals uh, for sure. Yeah. Um, but you know, this is history now. You know, but but um, I remember I remember uh, um, you know just just enjoying every game and just uh, scoring a lot of goals. I played. I, I, I was I liked especially playing with Juninho. We had this kind of like uh, telepathy, this kind of uh, understanding. Uh, he, he, you know, he always used me uh, as a, you know playing one twos, and uh, and he was amazing, amazing player, great player. The team at that time was was fantastic, and I think sometimes maybe outside of Middlesbrough, one of the players that doesn't get the credit they maybe deserve is uh, Emerson. Um, mm. I remember him very well because being a Sunderland fan, I remember a lot of the goals he scored against us. Unfortunately, yeah, yeah. but um, Janino was obviously a fantastic player. But how good was Emerson? Uh, he was amazing. He was incredible. He had uh, he came from Tenerife, I think. Uh, yeah. They bought him for something like four million pounds at that time, and that was a lot of money, of course. He he was one of the best at that moment in time on his position as a number six. Uh, he could he was more or less also an eight, so he was six or eight, you know. But he he was he was so strong. I've never seen anyone that strong, you know. He had legs like like trees, you know. Like they were, they were, yeah. people could just kick him and he he, he wouldn't feel it. And, uh, but, 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 you know, never mind, he, he, he was a very, very uh, technical player also. Maybe he, he lacked a little bit of speed, but, you know, he was so good uh, on the ball, you know, he, nobody could take the ball away from him. And actually he also scored some incredible goals. You know, he had this uh, strike, uh, the, you know, he could shoot the ball so hard and so precise, you know, that uh, he scored some incredible goals. I remember some of the goals that season, they were they were unbelievable. Top corner, you know, like finishes, you know, just incredible goals. Right, he's a, he's a like, like I say, I, I was behind a lot of them, unfortunately, against my team, but he had a such power behind a lot of his shots and he could just score from 25, 30 yards out and it would go in like 100 mile an hour. But yeah, I mean, I growing up outside of, you know, my own team, he was one of those players that I, I looked up to a lot and I sometimes feel 
because Janino or Ravinelli and players were in that team at the time that he doesn't maybe get the credit he deserves because he was a fantastic player. Um, a fantastic player, he was. But well, he got he got his move also to uh, yeah to Atlet- Atletico Madrid. I think even though no, he got his move to to uh, Deportivo La Coruña. I think that was where he went afterwards. Yeah, he did. And at that yeah. time, I think obviously they were doing really really well. Deportivo. Yeah, they were one of the best teams in, the, in Europe. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Um, in terms of your own form, I think sort of looking through there's a certain period because it was I think in the league you were sitting around sort of the bottom in, in sort of December if member if my memory serves me right but then you really came into form in March and you had a big part to play in that obviously beating Derby 6-1 Leicester Blackburn and Chelsea I think four I wins think, in a uh, row. Villa, Villa also did you at that point you mentioned before and I, I remember that if those three points weren't deducted you would have stayed up but did you think regardless of those three points when you went on that run that you know you were hitting form at the right time and you were going to stay up yeah i mean we we were going to stay off we were we were 100 sure about that we we were good enough we 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 were winning games the problem for us of course that season was we had too many games you know yeah. because if you if you ha- if you have to go to the final in both of the cups you have to play so many games i think we played maybe 17 games uh cup games plus all the games in the league and because we, why did we play 17 games because you know, we, we had like uh, replays, uh, in, I think, in the semifinal. And in the final, we also had a replay again, you know, uh, against yeah. Leicester. We, we had, I think, 17 cup games. And uh, Brian was not really changing around the team that much. So it was basically the same players that that played in most of those games. So, you know, maybe towards the end of the season, we we ended up losing a little bit of, 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 of energy and a little bit of breath, you know. Uh, um, I also remember finishing the season by, you know, by playing, I think, three games in eight days or three games in seven days, where basically you were already tired when you started the game. You know, yeah. you were already tired because you, you had, you know, no more energy left. So, of course, that was one of the reasons probably why we didn't get maybe in the end, uh, in well, we got enough points because what happened was that game against Blackburn, uh, not only... Did we lose the game? Of course, I think with 2-0 or 3-0 because we didn't turn up. But then on top of that, they also deducted points. You know, so we actually, we actually ended up, I think, losing. I cannot remember how many points we were deducted. But, um, but you know, let's say we were deducted three points. Yeah, that means we would. Three, yeah. yeah, so we lost the game 3-0 and, of course, lost those three points. Plus, they deducted us three points on top of that. So basically, that game cost us six points. Yeah. And that was because if we had just turned up, we would have lost the game for sure, even maybe 6 0, uh, because we would have, we would have had to, to turn up with, with basically with youth players. But we wouldn't have been deducted the point afterwards. And that would have been enough to, for us to stay up. It was a hard one. With the Blackburn game, when it came to it being called off, I think it was I think it was Brian Robson that was the one that sort of made that decision. Obviously, he was backed by Steve Gibson, but did the players have much of a say in that, or did you just kind of all admit collectively, like, look, we we can't play this, we have no players? No, we had nothing to say. Basically, you know, it was yeah. just we were just told that uh, we we are not we are not we're not going to the game because uh, we we have, I think at that moment, I think the moment in time we had more more than ten players uh, down ill. You know, actually at home in, in bed. And uh, there was some kind of rule. That's what we were told that if you had 10 or more, you know, not able to, to play, then you could call off a game. That, that was basically what we were told. And of course, we, we trusted uh, both Steve Gibson on, on, on that one and the few ones. I was actually one of the few that was not ill. 
So the the few one of us that that were not ill, of course, we just we just accepted it and and just said, of course. I mean, you know, <laughs> if we should have gone and played the game, we we would have we would have had to 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 put out a team that uh, was was not was not you know good enough to play in the Premier League, you know, and we would probably have yeah. lost. I don't know how 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 much you know against the Blackburn. So for us, it was just it was the way it was, and we were told we could do it. Uh, we accepted it, and it was logical not to go. Did you expect to get any points dropped, or was that quite a shock at the time? Well, I mean, I mean, I think straight after, I think it came out that that some of the other clubs didn't agree with it or didn't accept it, or I think or maybe it was the football association that suddenly said, you know, like, yeah, maybe you didn't come to that game, but we we hadn't accepted it hundred percent. I cannot remember it. It's so many years ago now, but yeah. but uh, that, that I think quickly it came out that that was a problem. And then for a long time, people kept talking about this thing and there, there was, there had to be made a decision. And basically I, I cannot remember when the decision was made, uh, but it was not made straight away. It was made no. maybe some weeks later. Yeah. So I feel it was, I feel it was quite late. Like I feel it was like yeah. sometime in March or something like that. Yeah. Like, if, but like, like you say, my, my memory is not, not too great. It was a little while ago now, but um, you know, you did get relegated. I know it's difficult when you get relegated under any circumstance. But the season later, who could have imagined it would have been almost just as crazy the season later? Three different clubs, Sunderland, Nottingham Forest and Middlesbrough. Sunderland maybe didn't start as well as you know they should have done. But then from October onwards, they were basically almost unbeaten. Middlesbrough and Forest stayed steady and, and won games throughout the season. Um, but I think for, from memory, the big factor in Middlesbrough being so good that season was you brought in Paul Merson. How important was Paul Merson in that promotion season? Well, I, I think it wasn't just Paul Merson. I think it was also the fact that the club managed to keep players like me, like uh, Emerson. Yeah. Because, of course, we all had chances to leave that summer. But we were told, of course, uh, actually, that we were told that the club were only, they were only going to sell Juninho. Juninho had a chance to go to uh, Atletico Madrid for lots of money and uh, the club couldn't keep him. Uh, then... Ravanelli actually stayed and played the first game. Yes, so um, they were even saying that he should stay also. But uh, in the end, uh, he was he went to Marseille. But, you know, we, we, we could all have left because after that great season we had played, uh, especially, you know, the offensive players in the team, we all had, had possibilities to leave the club. Uh, but the club just said, no, uh, we are keeping the team. We, we want to... We want to go straight up again to the Premier League because we have too good a team to play in the second best league. So we are going to make a historical season in the second league where hopefully all games will be sellout crowd, home and away. We are going to bring even new good players in. Yeah. Uh, so so the, the team itself was like incredible. Uh, probably probably the best team that has ever played in the, in the second best league in England, I'm, I'm sure, if you take them name by name. Yeah. Because we brought in we brought in um, uh, Merson, so so you know it was Emerson, uh, me, Hignett, um, uh, uh, Merson. That was basically the the attack. I mean, it was incredible. You know, we were all, we were all uh, more or less international players. You know, and we kept playing for our our countries in the second best league. <laughs> I remember Merson came back into the national team. I even remember yeah. because he had an incredible season, you know. So, yeah. So it was, it was, it was, it was, it was interest. It was special times, you know. Like they were. I don't think they will ever come back. I don't think you'll ever have such a an incredible uh, two seasons uh, in in the northeast again for any club. I don't think you will. 
Yeah, it was it was truly an incredible season. I mean, it was Sunderland obviously that got the most at that point was the most amount of points for a team not to be promoted. I think we both ended up on on ninety points, and I think it was goal difference Middlesbrough sort of got ahead with. But two teams on, on ninety points and not top of the league is just crazy. It just shows you how impressive both sides were. No one outside of those top three teams could get anywhere near each other, and we could all beat each other. Sunderland yeah. could beat uh, Nottingham Forest. Nottingham Forest could beat Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough could beat Sunderland. But we talked about obviously you did mention like you say, Merson to memory was kind of a big big change in that team but at the same time you have you did have Emerson you right you did have yourself as a lot of players stayed um and then I think about the players that you strengthened the team with you had Marco Branca came in as well obviously he came, in also, yeah. he came in January I think yeah so he was only there the last half season I think uh I think Alan Armstrong also came in yeah I cannot I think Brian Dean also came in he was brought back from from uh, from Benfica but they they were brought in uh they all those three came in in January so uh from August to January, we had this incredible team with with Hignett, me, Merson, and 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 Emerson, and we we were really really playing well. We scored so many goals, uh, and then Brian suddenly felt we needed three more strikers. <laughs> so uh, it, it was a very very strange decision from his side. Uh, nobody really understood it, myself included, of course, because I was the top scorer at, at the time. I think I had fourteen goals up until January. And then suddenly, you know, you bring in three new strikers. So, um, and uh, of course, when you bring in new strikers, you know, they have, they have to play. So yeah. uh, it meant that, that the last half season, I, I didn't play all the time, which was a bit strange when, when you were the top scorer of the team. So, um, but for some reason, it worked out well for, for Brian. Uh, the team ended up getting promoted, of course, and... Uh, and in the end, everyone will, will think about that. But, um, but for some of us players, it was a bit funny, some of the decisions uh, that, that yeah. were made in, in January. Another player that came in, who I have to touch on, one of the, probably, in my opinion, the, the greatest English player of all time, uh, Paul Gascoigne, comes to the club. Yeah, he, he came also, that's true. Yeah, I think he must have come also in January. Or, I don't know when he came, actually, because I don't think he played the whole season. I don't think. No. I think. It, I feel like it was like March or something. Because I think that maybe was before, March, yeah. before yeah. the transfer window. I think wasn't it? Yeah. Like, but then, anyway, he he came in, and of course, it gave a big big boost again to the to the whole squad. I mean, I mean, that's why I'm saying if you take the the names of the players in that team uh, th- playing in the second division in England, I think it must be and probably will ever will will always be the best team name by name that has ever played in the second league. In, in uh, well, in championship, which is called, uh, I think it would be, and you could also see it because all our games were sold out. No matter w- whether we played at home or away from home, all stadiums were sold out because everyone came to see these t- these players. I spoke so, to, yeah. spoke to Niall Quinn about that mm-hmm. uh, about that period about over a year ago now, and I asked him about at the time what was so good about Sunderland at that sort of 97 to 2000 2001 what was so good about it and he, he said himself he was like the whole of the northeast at that point just had great football teams packed stadiums uh, um they were all successful like even like the the rugby teams and stuff were doing well and every, everyone everyone in the northeast was just such a a positive hub could you feel that well for me it you know, for me, it, it felt natural that it was like this because I came to the northeast during a time where it was like this and I, and I left Northeast while it was still like this. I only knew the Northeast like this. Of course, I could see afterwards what happened. I can see when I see old, old, let's say, old games. I can see, 
you know, the stadiums were not full. So that that time, that that period must have been very, very, very special. Yeah, because I mean, uh, Newcastle had a great team also, you know, with the Australians yeah. and uh, and the Les Ferdinands and uh, Armstrong, all these players. They were unbelievable. Ginola, uh, Shira, they were yeah. incredible, incredible team. And uh, and we had an incredible team. And Sunderland actually didn't have as many famous players, but they just had a very, very homogene team, you know, that just, it was a very difficult team to beat, you know? So, and they also had, I remember playing Sunderland at the, at the Stadium of Light, where I remember it was, it was sold out. I think 48,000. Yeah. Just incredible, game. incredible yeah. game, you know, like, um, you know, <laughs> you have to say it, it, it was a special moment. For me, it was, it was normal because I thought the Northeast was always like this, but now when I see when I see how it is now, then of course I, I understand that we were lucky to be part of this period. Yeah. All us players, yeah. We were lucky. Absolutely. I want to touch on Gaza a little bit because I think it would be wrong of me to just go past Gaza, but obviously an incredibly funny guy. Um, like so funny. What what are your best memories of Paul Gascoigne? Well, I mean, I mean, I didn't see the best Gascoigne. You know, when he came yeah. there, he was not top fit, and uh, and he had some issues, of course. And uh, sure. so, if I have to talk about him as a football player, then uh, we all remember the the Gascoigne of '96. Um, but um, the Gascoigne that I saw and I played with was not that Gascoigne. He was not. He was not fit. He was. Um, he, I think he had too many issues, and uh, and yeah. you know it 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 affected his football. You know he was not the same anymore. But of course, in training and in in a couple of games, you saw glimpses of that magic. You know that uh, that we all remembered him for. And and of course, I was uh, I was fortunate, and I'm still really lucky when I look back that I I uh, I managed to play with him and actually met met him and and got to know him because. Deep down, he 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 is a very 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 nice guy. He's a very nice person. Funny, of course, yes. But uh, we also know him for all his his, his problems, yeah. And of course, he's yeah. somehow also a sad. It's a sad story, also. Um, but you know, he's he didn't have he didn't have as 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 uh, serious problems at that time when I played with him as he has probably now. So I I still saw. A, a funny, a smiling, happy uh, Gascoigne who who was a little bit frustrated, of course, sometimes that uh, his legs couldn't do exactly what he wanted them to and what he remembered that they used to be able to do. But <laughs> but we we still liked him, and he he was a he was a breath of fresh air, you know. And uh, and uh, yeah, uh, I'm happy that I that I played with him. I'm very happy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like I say, in my opinion, the, the greatest English player that ever existed when he was at peak form. So yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah, understand yeah. that. A couple of years later, obviously, your promotion to the Premier League, but you played in Euro 2000 as well. We touched on Euro 96 and in Euro 2000, you came up against France. And I mean, it was probably the best French team that ever existed. And you, you played up front, I think you came on as a substitute and played against Destaille and Laurent Blanc. Um, it was a difficult tournament for Denmark, admittedly, because it was a very, very tough group. I think Holland and France were in it. Um, but how much did you enjoy com- coming up against like peak form Desailly and Laurent Blanc? I mean, I mean, <clears throat> we it was it was probably the end of a of a 
a cyclist for, for, for that Danish national team. A lot of the players were old and yeah. played the last uh, tournament. And then basically they were, they stopped playing for the national team. So, um, it was not, it was not a great period for, for us. And we, we, we still managed to, to qualify for the, for the, for the tournament, but, but we were unlucky to, to get in a group with the, with probably the best French team ever, uh, uh, the best Dutch team maybe ever, uh, and the best, uh, certainly the best Czech Republic team ever with Kala, uh, Smith, uh, uh, Nedved, uh, I mean, they, you know, <laughs> if we should have, yeah. If, yeah, if we should have had a chance to do anything in that tournament, we should not have been in that group because even, even with the best tennis team, uh, we would not even have had a chance to beat those three teams. You know, it was a bit unlucky, you could say, and it's not really a tournament you, you look back at, uh, you know, uh, with, with a lot of joy. Because yeah. we lost all games, we didn't score one single goal. But you know, probably very normal when you look back at who we played against and and which players they had, and they all their all their players were at their peak, and our players were basically uh, coming to an end. So, oh, it was a truly phenomenal set of teams that you came up against. I mean, just reading through the names, you had peak Czech Republic, like you say exactly, which I even forgot about yeah. because of how good France were and how good Holland were. Yeah. And would I be right in saying Thomas Gravison was in the Danish team at that point? Yeah, he was in that, he was in our national team, yeah. And, and Steve Tufting also, yeah. Yeah, that's right. And they would have yeah. been about, I think Gravison would have been about 23, 24. Now, un- unbeknownly, we're talking about characters like Paul Gascoigne, but I've heard that the best character that ever existed is Thomas Gravison. Was it someone that you were close with? Because I've heard he's a fantastic guy. Well, I mean, you know, he, he's, he's funny, yes, for sure he's funny. Uh, but I, I think he should, have, he, he should be known for his football instead of uh, his character, you know, because, I mean, he was, for me, he was a very, very good football player. And sometimes, oh, yeah. we, sometimes we forget a little bit about how good he was because everyone who would talk to you about him would probably talk about, you know, how he is outside the football, uh, off the pitch, you know. But I would, I would rather talk to him, talk to you about how he was on the pitch. You know, he was a, he was a real winner, you know. He had an incredible uh, mentality, you know, that he, he couldn't lose. So uh, he was good to have in your team. And, uh, and we had both him and Tufting on in that, uh, let's say, this, this midfield, central, central midfield. And they were best friends off the pitch and, uh, and they worked really good together also during games. Um, yes, uh, Thomas, uh, Thomas uh, is funny. And, uh, and uh, you know, he was, he was making a lot, of, uh, lot of, you know, a lot of jokes or whatever, you know, like, so yeah. So he also had that side of him, but, but the, what I remember of him is more what he did on the pitch than what he did off the pitch. Yeah, and I mean, you don't play for Real Madrid if you don't have an immense amount of talent. No, so no. yeah, being a winner, alongside all of the, the funny stories that do exist about him, a lot of it comes down to the fact that he wanted to win. I mean, when he was at Everton, he's an absolute cult hero at Everton because, yeah, of, yeah. because he wanted to win, because he put his body on the line to make sure he could get that win. And like I say, you, you don't play for sides like Everton, Celtic, and certainly Real Madrid unless you have an immense amount of a talent. In, in your in your feet with Middlesbrough around that sort of time your your time sort of came to end at Middlesbrough as well and I think you went to to Derby with Jim Smith is that right yeah uh, I went to Derby with Jim Smith yeah um, Jim Smith, another huge character right yeah I didn't really get along with him I must say you know it was not yeah. the right move that was probably the first time in my career where I made a mistake you know I should uh, I should have stayed uh, at Middlesbrough until the summer and then maybe moved on that summer uh, I has uh, I it, it it all happened a little bit too quickly. Um, 
And what looking back, looking back at my move, it was not the right move. Also, at the mo- at the at the right moment, because Derby uh, had had a really good first six months. But what happened was the same some uh, no the same week as I moved to Derby, uh, Steve McLaren left the club and joined up with the Ferguson at uh, at Man United. And what I was told and what what I could see when I when I look back was that this club was one big uh, mess after McLaren left because Steve, you know, Jim Smith was a was a very, very special character. You know, he, he was very hard on his players. He, he was not really v- present a lot out on the training pits, but when he came out, um, his, his way of, of dealing with his team, at least I didn't really like the way he, he talked to his players and the way he shouted at them and things like this. So, so when McLaren was there, Steve was, uh, sorry, uh, Jim Smith was still doing the same things, but McLaren was very good at making things good again afterwards. But yeah. when McLaren left, there was nobody really to play that role. And, uh, and Jim Smith tried with different, uh, you know, uh, um, different assistant coaches. Like I think there was Ray Harford. I think uh, there was a Billy McEwen. I think there was a Malcolm Crosby. They were all super nice guys. But they, 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 they did not manage to to play the same role as, as Steve McLaren he had done, and um, so basically from my came, well things were just not uh, very good anymore in the club. It was still the same team, but we couldn't win a game. Um, we didn't play well. Uh, a lot of players lost their confidence. Jim uh, uh, got more and more angry, you know. So it's just a it's just a bad period. And again, looking back, I should never have moved to that club uh, at that time. But, you know, uh, that's how it is, of course, sometimes. Yeah, that's football, I guess, sometimes. Eh? You moved on loan to, I think it was Nottingham Forest, but also, most importantly, probably QPR. Now, you did really well at Queen's Park Rangers. I think it was like yeah. four goals in 11. And I think, I don't necessarily think they wanted to lose you, but you went on loan to, to AAB. Did you want to stay at Queen's Park Rangers or did you feel like it was the right time to go home and maybe rediscover confidence, rediscover form? No, 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 it, it wasn't about rediscovering confidence because the confidence I had, I, I had scored four goals in 11 games for QPR. I had a really yeah. important, important role to play for them. And I, I think, I, I don't think I could have stayed because I think in England there was some kind of rules saying that, uh, I, because I, I remember I was I was on loan to, to Nottingham Forest for one month. And then Derby called me back. I would have, I would have loved to stay at Nottingham Forest because I liked, uh, you know, the club and the team was also pretty good actually at that time. But uh, Derby called me back, uh, and in the end they called me back, you know, and they didn't play me. So I was not very happy with that. Then I went to QPR. I scored also for for Nottingham Forest, and in the end I scored also goals for QPR. I liked being in in, in London. I liked the club. Uh, we had a good, uh, interesting team at that time. And uh, Jerry Francis, I I really liked Jerry. Uh, Jerry was a, a, a good manager and, and someone, you know, who who I would have liked to to keep working with. But uh, for some reason QPR couldn't keep me. I don't know if 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 I was earning too much money at that time for 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 that club. I I, I really don't know. But it was also because I wanted to get into the squad uh, for the Euro 2000. And yeah. I could not get in that squad if I was playing in the second best league in England. It was impossible because I was up against some really good strikers in this national team. So I had to go home and in front of everyone in Denmark to show how good I was. 
So I w- that's why I, I left QPR and I went back to, to Olborg. And it ended up being the perfect move because I, I scored, I think, eight goals in 10 games for, for yeah. Olborg or um, securing me the, a place in the squad for the, for the Euro 2000. So, so it, it, was a funny, it was a funny season. And, and I don't know how many other players you could find in the history of the game who managed to score for four, four different clubs in one season. I don't think I don't think they I don't think it would be easy for you to find that kind of player. So so the the season actually ended up with me scoring for Derby, scoring for QPR, scoring for Nottingham Forest, scoring for Olborg. And I yeah. scored quite a few goals if you add them all together because I scored eight, four, that's twelve. I probably scored 14, 15 goals that season. So it, yeah. it was still a good good season for me, uh, goal scoring wise. And I secured a, a spot in the squad uh, for the for the Euro 2000. So, so for me, it was a, it, it, it turned out good in the end. And I think because of that form and because you'd scored the amount of goals you had at Allberg and, and gotten to the the Euro 2000 squad, you got the move to to Leo for five hundred thousand, which at that time was was still good money. In terms of Leo, how did you did you want to go to France? Was that kind of a club that you you, you felt like you could achieve a lot at? Uh, I, I was not really so keen on the, on the move to to Lille at the at at, at this at, at the start because I I didn't really know uh, French football very well I didn't really know Lille uh, but but they were very very pushy they were very they insisted really in 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 getting me they were showing a lot of interest and uh, yeah I, I think in the end that was probably what made the difference uh, it was the, that they that they showed how much they really wanted me. Because this thing was going on for quite a long time, yeah. That they were calling my agent and asking, uh, you know, for a meeting and all these kind of things. So, yeah. In the end, uh, I think, I think I, I ended up going down there because the club gave me the idea that they really wanted me. I think that was why. With Leo, I think you went you went back to Orberg sort of not long afterwards on loan again. Well, that but... that was the second season. I played one season with Lille where we uh, finished right. third in. Um, in the league, uh, the first season I was there, we we qualified for we qualified for the Champions League for the second season. I played the second season also, so it was the third season where I ended up going on loan to Olborg, but only towards the end of the season. So I played two seasons for 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 Lille. With obviously Champions League experience and things like that, and you were in the team at Lille. But with the move to Olborg, how did that come about, and, and why did it come about? I suppose. Well, it, it came about because I had been injured. The team was doing really, really well. And I think, uh, I, think I just felt that I think I had lost the pl- my, my place in the, in the team uh, mm-hmm. that year. And I just wanted to play. And, and Olborg, of course, uh, were, were struggling a little bit. And they, were, they kept calling me and asking me if I, if I would not go back and do exactly the same one more time as I had done the first, first time I had been there. And you know, I, I had a really good, I had good memories from from my time in Olborg, and uh, I had uh, I had friends up there, and yeah, uh, I think I just I just felt I, I needed to play, uh, and yeah. so so that's why I went back. Uh, I think I played three months uh, for Olborg that season, which would have been two thousand two ish, two thousand one, two thousand two, I think. Probably uh, two thousand two, yeah. Yeah. Now, when you came back to to Lille from that loan, I think you you had a real problems with injuries. I think it was kind of not one injury. I think a few different injuries. No, but I I, I had um, I, I had a hernia uh, that I had uh-huh. uh, that I got uh, during my second spell at Olborg. That hernia I had to I had to sort out 
so I had my I had my 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 groin operated uh, by Dr. Gilmore in London uh, mm-hmm. in 2002. Uh, he also did the same operation on my other groin, 97. So at the end of my first season with the, with Middlesbrough. And um, and uh, I came back uh, fresh uh, and ready to to play basically for Lille. This this my third season, um, but that was when I I started getting some problems with my ankle, uh, and um, I had those problems during the preseason, and they kept uh, irritating me, and they became worse and worse. And in the end, uh, in the end, I I had to stop, and we we had to find out what what was the problem, and in the end we. We diagnosed um, a stress fracture uh, in my ankle, and uh, and from the from the day we diagnosed that, there was one more test to do, one more scan. It was called an Arthro scan, and um, actually during that scan, I I caught a bacterial uh, streptococcus bacterial uh, in my ankle, and uh, and basically I never played again. So um, and I nearly lost my le- my leg also because uh, the bacteria. Uh, Became so so aggressive that they that they they nearly had to to amputate my my foot. So um, it was a pretty pretty um, sad way to to end a career, uh, you could say, because I was only 29 at that time and uh, I, I should still have played on for another six seven years. Yeah, no, absolutely. I was going to say because what what I was going to ask, and I think you've you've kind of answered it already, was you know at what point do you know that it is time to retire i suppose when something that serious happens you, you have to sort of weigh up different options in it no, no i had no choice because I, no choice. I i couldn't i couldn't play on i had too much yeah. too much pain in my in my foot and uh, and um, i couldn't jump uh, anymore as i used to i couldn't turn because uh, the bacteria had had basically eaten all 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 cartilage all all uh, ligament structure even bone structure you know so Jeez. no it 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 um it wasn't uh, it wasn't it wasn't possible for me to play on uh, i had an angle pro- suddenly uh, of of a 60 year old you could say so so um wow. it was it was no there was no choice i had no choice i had to leave i had to stop even even though you had to stop at an age younger than you would have liked to it's still a fantastic career to look back on like yeah, for sure, for sure. I, I, absolutely. I, 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 I I'm pretty, I'm, I'm really uh, proud of my career. Of course, you could say so. I, I enjoyed. Uh, I, I managed to to play with so many big players. I played for my country. I played uh, big tournaments for my country. I played in the Champions League uh, for Lille. I, I, I was part of uh, the most interesting period of uh, of, of Middlesbrough, uh, probably historically. Um, yeah. But of course, you you would always have wanted more. Of course. I would have I would have liked to play on until 35, 36 and, and decide myself when it was over. I, I, I was coming into the best years of my career. You know, we normally we say between 28 and 32, 33, that's the best best years of your career. I would have liked to to experience that also, you know, I thought I could still have, have, have managed to go to some really good clubs. And, but, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you have to, you have to be content with what you, what you managed to do. And, uh, and I am fortunate to have, to have been able to experience all this, but of course you, 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 you always would have liked to have even more, you know, but I think that's the same for all of us. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mikhail, lovely chatting. Absolutely. No problem. Ma- majorly, majorly. Interesting.